0: William Carey University is one of the top universities in the Southeast. With multiple scholarship opportunities for incoming students, it's one of the most affordable private universities in all of America. Carey provides a multitude of undergraduate and graduate programs, as well as over 10 different doctoral degrees. Did I mention that Carey also boasts one of the top 100 med schools in the country? And I also hear that the baseball team's pretty dang good. Check them out on all forms of social media and visit wmcarry.edu for more information. If you're looking for hats for your business, hunting club, or just whatever, go check out Hay Hat Company. It's locally owned by good folks so you don't have the hassle of dealing with big box companies. They carry multiple different brands and sizes, including the number one selling hat, the Richardson 112. Custom embroidery is available on all hats and shirts and to top it off, 10% of all profits go to charities for people that struggle with addiction Like I said, good people You can check them out on Facebook At Chickasahay Hat Company Or on the web at ChickasahayHatCo.com Fact the
1: bags I moved down to
0: Florida I've been blue since she went and gone And this morning green motel ring Is now my old country home And we're back another episode of the Pinstripes to Camo podcast. Uh, tonight we're going a little different route. We're gonna we're gonna have a guest from the uh, Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, Joey Harrington. Uh, Joey's been with the MDWFP uh, for nine years. He's been uh, in law enforcement for twelve, and he's spent the last year and a half as the boating education and hunters education coordinator for uh, Southeast Mississippi. So, uh, this ought to be a really neat show. I know everybody at some point has to go through that hunter's safety class. So I've got some questions about all that, but Joey, man, glad to have you on. Yeah. Good to be here, man. Thanks and, for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, I've already, uh, we talked about this a little bit before the show started as a side note, is also a former William Keir University baseball player. So it's always good to have a former Crusader on the show.
2: I, I'm trying to, i to hold up the image.
1: <laughs> it ain't, it ain't real high, Ben. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do much.
0: And we got Hunter and Matt with us tonight. Oh LA. yeah. So uh,
1: Joey, what color jeans you got on?
2: <laughs> jeans. Yeah. <laughs> See if you fit the bill. The green jeans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. said, "Damn, I'm back at the house
0: now." I probably got you. A pair of shorts. Well, uh, and, and Joey, before we get going, I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this on air for anybody that is listening, and, and for Joey as well, and uh, any former William Carey people or anybody in general just wants to come out on July the twentieth. Here in just a, what uh was that about two weeks? Uh, we are going to have a groundbreaking ceremony for a new building at the baseball field. It's a new the uh, locker room facility and everything it's supposed to be really nice. And uh, Mayor Toby Barker will be there. I heard rumors that the governor would be there. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but definitely want to invite anybody that wants to come to come, and especially anybody related to William Carey baseball, July 20th at 2.30. Uh, they're going to honor Coach Offer for, uh, for his 1,300th win this year and also the 2023 – Crusader baseball team for the the World Series appearance. So, all that on July twentieth at two thirty. so I had, awesome. I had to Good throw deal. that out there, guys. Sorry. Oh uh, yeah. Especially you know, William Carey University is a uh, is a sponsor of the show, so we had to we had to put that out. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joey, let's get into Hunter's Ed, man. Uh, all right. First of all, once you become 16 years old in the state of Mississippi, you do have to have a hunting or fishing license, if I'm not mistaken.
2: That's and correct. Before
0: you can obtain a hunting license, I, and once again, if I'm not mistaken, you have to take this hunter's education class. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Anybody born after January 1st, 1972 uh, has to have it. Yeah. It actually once you're ten years of age you can you can take the course and it it can be valid and that allows anyone once they get twelve years of age or older can hunt separate from an adult in in the, in the deer stand, so to speak so so it's it kind it of kind of takes an effect a little before they're sixteen, but yeah certainly before they' are uh, when they turn sixteen they have to have that to to acquire a license in the state.
0: Now, in this question, I don't, I don't know if you'd have these numbers off the top of your head or not, but we did an episode a while back about the declining population of hunters in America. Do you see a decline in the number of kids that are taking this class, or is there an increase, or, you know, kind of, you've been in it for a while now, and I, which I know the last year and a half you've been doing this, but uh, certainly you got to, you had to have had some numbers thrown at you before you took this over or when you did. Do you notice a, uh, a decline, or is it kind of steady? No. I, I wouldn't say it's a
2: decline, and, and one of the reasons it's not, uh, some years back it was kind of taken out of the schools. Uh, at one point you used to get, get this hunter education class in the school, which part of school curriculum, and uh, for whatever reason Mississippi went away from that for some time, but has now in the past, I'd say five years, has really has really gone back to that, especially in the south part east, southeast part of the state uh, it, it's really strong. It has become a part of the curriculum in the schools uh, and last year or maybe it was the year before I can't really remember uh, it, was, it, was, it was decided that it would be an accepted part of the curriculum in Mississippi. so we're really seen an uptick in the kids because teachers are now teaching it in the school. We got a pretty strong program in the southeast part of the state. There's a lot of kids that are getting certified, and as far as actual hunter hunter license hunting license sold, which is kind of what they base that on, uh, as far as hunters, I, I don't I don't have those numbers in front of me. Right. But as uh, another reason, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the MSSP program, the Mississippi Shooting Sports Program. It's 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 something that has been ongoing for the last couple of years in the north part of the state, and uh, it's just now migrated toward the south. Uh, we we just redone the McHenry facility to add sporting plays along with the trap and skeet fields, and we now – actually, we just had the state tournament um, back in uh, – what was that? I guess it was May. We had – end of April, first part of May, we had the state tournament at McHenry. So, uh all of these kids are required to have hunter education before they can participate, especially for some safety before they can participate in
0: this program and in the McHenry shooting facility that's in Perkinston right uh, or Wiggins yeah. yeah Wiggins okay, and if I think if I have got it correct here it's uh a daily entrance fee of fifteen dollars to shoot.
2: That's right, and of course there's a there's a cart rental fee, and there's uh, of course you have to take. Um, did you shoot? I'm not really sure what that fee is, but a lot of that uh, is, is up by the by the program.
0: Okay. Okay. For the kids. Okay. Now you mentioned in the schools uh, the hunters safety programs in the schools. Kind of what grade are we talking about here?
2: Uh, it, it's it's uh, junior junior high and above. Okay. is, is where we're. okay
0: i i think that's a good thing I think uh gun safety should absolutely be taught in school uh, especially
2: oh please now. thank you yep um, oh, I, yeah we agree well we, we had a lot of success with the Ames program archery in Mississippi schools it's something that is really big across the state mm-hmm. and we just kind of ran with that with the with the ms the shooting sports program it's it seems to be coming along this Just fine, no, Joey. I need to interject. I have a question about the aims program. Uh, Sure. Well, it may be the same in the shooting sports. Are there regulations on like what kind of shotgun you can use and all that? Well, uh, no. A a kid can use any. Well, it has to be able to be fired at least twice. So you're Mm -hmm. you're doing side by side, over and under, or semi automatic or pump shotgun. We don't. Kids, they can bring anything. <coughs> at least twice. Um, obviously, they need that because what the kids shoot are report pairs, and what that means is after when the when they call pull for the first skeet, when the when the gunshot rings out, the second skeet is is then. So it's not true pairs. It's all report. Okay. Pairs. So, so what I was getting at was, and I think Ames is a great program. Uh, I got a nephew that did it all through high school and stuff, and I, I I've shot those Genesis bows and everything. Mm-hmm. But oh man, can we get some different rests? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think that those kids like if you slow mo film a Genesis bow with that little flipper rest they have, right? That that arrow ain't flying straight. Well, <laughs> the good news is that all all the kids are competing with with the same with the same thing, and that's that, a great point. That is that, a good point. Uh, no- I've just always wondered that. I'm like, that's a that's a quarter. I mean, that rest has literally cost a quarter. You know, like the I was like, can't they get them some better rest? So the arrow come off better. Well, I'm a big bow hunter, so. Well, when I first started bow hunting back in, the oh, let's see, the early '90s. That's actually what side of my bow is a flipper rest, too. Actually.
0: <laughs> now the Ames program is that is that Waldo Cleland? Is that what he does, Matt? Yes, sir. He he's, or, he he heads. Okay, hmm? okay. That's that's what I was wondering. Okay. Oh, uh,
2: now they have introduced. uh I
0: I'm at a loss for
2: the name of it, but they have they have now where um, they're using uh, wow. bows with sights and peep sights and little higher grade rest. It's uh, it's the 3D portion of it. Mm-hmm. They have they have to compete in the regular aims program, and then this is above and beyond that. But they actually have a section uh, for some of the more advanced kids where they can they can shoot sighted bows and compete for uh, a little, little better competition. Okay, I don't know. if Aware of that.
0: Now, back to the, uh, back to the Hunter's Ed classes itself. Now, I remember when I was, I don't know, I was probably eleven or twelve, ten or eleven, something like that. When I took it, and I remember going, um, like going to a, it was somewhere in Laurel. I don't remember where we went, but it was a building, and you sat in there, and you, you know, you listened to lectures or you had PowerPoint slides and then you took a test and then you actually got out and shot, I think a 22 rifle at targets is the, is the Hunter's Ed program now similar to that? Like when the, when you'd actually do the class?
2: Yeah, the, the in class with the wardens is, is or, uh, a volunteer instructor is pretty much the same. Uh, we don't always we don't always do the uh, the shooting at the end of it. Uh, it, it. We still can do it, but you know, there's little added protection to it. We have some some waiver releases and stuff like that. You got to get signed. There's a little more prep work for the class, but we can still do the the rain shoot afterwards. But it's it's not typically done anymore. Right. Now that being COVID, you know that changed a lot of things, and we went from. You know, at one at one point in time, uh, you know, we used to have we used to require actually used to require up before COVID you had to do you could take the class online but you still had to do the three hours in class.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and that was to come in at the you know, where you got the majority of your incidents. It's either uh, tree stand falls or, you know, a weapon uh, a weapon incident. Right. So when we had arm safety and and tree stand safety Along with a little, uh, a little, uh, some other stuff, but that's what the three hours were required. But since COVID came along, that kind of changed the way we did things, and we relieved um, the the requirement to have the three hours in class for the course. And we also, so we made it available where you could take the whole course and get certified online. So we still certify a lot of people just on the online class now. So that's an option. You don't. They have to sit in the class
0: anymore. Yeah, and that that was, I guess that was kind of my question. Like, I've got a 12-year-old daughter that I know she's going to need to go through the class, and I just wanted everybody to kind of understand that, you know, if you want to go ahead and take this class, what's the best way to do it? And Okay, so that answered that.
2: Well, there's a, there's a lot of parents that still like that, uh, that, you know, interpersonal rea- uh, interaction where they can have their child can stop and ask questions, and you know, it's also a, it, uh, our wardens uh, are required to teach at least one of these in their respective areas every year, and there's generally more than one class, and, and it's a good opportunity for a child to have a positive interaction with a warden.
0: Right, and and you get a pretty good turnout at these classes. We do. Okay, good. Some more than others. I have a question. Sure.
1: Is there any correlation between hunting accidents and the hunters education program? Uh, whether you know it is decreased, because I presume that's why it was originally started.
2: Sure. Um. Uh, or is d-
1: that data just kind of maybe not something that's being tracked?
2: Well, it it differs from state to state. Uh, we. Last year, I'm trying to remember. I think we only had, uh, we had one fatality last year due to a hunting incident. Um, and one fatality due to a boating incident last year in the state. Um, and, and so far this year, we've got zero on the hunting side. So, uh, and the la- I went to the IETA, which is the uh, International Hunters Education Regional Meeting. Let's see, that was back in in April, <gasps> and it, it just varies from state to state. Um, you know, some years of course, than others, but for the most for the most part, we see it a, a decline. Florida, maybe not so much, but uh, <laughs> else it seems to be on the decline. Well, it, yeah, I think Hunter, I think that was a it's
0: good
1: just, question. I know that. What? No, we've had uh, no.
2: We've had three fatalities this year already in boating incident Yeah, yeah,
1: that was on the Jordan River, correct?
2: Well, that was that was one. That was okay. one. Yeah, the other two were single uh, single vessel accidents. Two separate Three separate But uh, yeah, it's uh, last year we only had one, uh, and this year we've had three. Now, that, all that being said, um, if you look at how many accidents we've had up to this point in the year? It's it's relatively the, the the same. It's just the severity of it has been a little higher this year.
0: Right, I got you. Now the the boat. Are you going to say Ben? No, that's fine. I, I thought that was a good question because you know I think teaching hunters education and hunter safety is is obviously something that needs to be done. Now, as far as you know and Joey don't take any offense to this. I don't think that the, I don't think that a government agency agency should be the one that teaches you that every day. I mean, I think that comes from your parents or whoever, but I think that the class is a good thing to kind of make sure that you have, you know, the, the knowledge needed to, to go out and hunt and fish and do those things safely. So, um, but yeah, no, I thought that was good. And I, and I wonder, I do wonder what the data was as far as hunting-related accidents before they started doing this class. That'd be something interesting to look up. Uh, but, uh Boater's Ed. Now, this is something Hunter and I were talking about it before you got on, Joey. Um I didn't even realize there was a class for this. Um I remember kind of taking like a boater's safety test, I think, online at one time or to have mm-hmm. a, a boater's license. Um, I was unaware that there was even a class to do this. And it really kind of threw up a lot of questions for me. Uh, Number one, how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you do a boater's education class? Well, I can give it
1: to you in a quick synopsis. It's six
0: long, grueling, miserable
1: hours (laughs) staring at a computer and you can't skip through the material. That's how you do it. (laughs) It,
2: Yeah. the the online portion it is definitely more difficult to grasp than it is if you're in an in, in-person class i will say that uh, there are a lot of things you know it if 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 you're introduced to the outdoors at all as far as like for hunter education it's 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 not a very it's not something that's very hard to grasp but if you if you haven't been on a boat especially like in coastal waters where where you have you know buoys and markers. Yeah. Markers and and channel markers and things of that nature. If if you hadn't been inundated into that any any way, shape, form, or fashion, and you just go take the boater safety course, you're you're going to be lost to start with.
1: Let so, let me say, I've uh, operated a motorized boat since I was since I could since I could drive a truck. So <laughs> since I had a license, I had a boat.
0: No, um, no, no, you
1: you you've, you've operated a boat on the river far before. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm saying, like, personally, like, that I own. Like, going out by myself or with buddies, you know, fishing lakes and stuff. Um, And uh, I've only been checked one time in my life for a boater's education license. Um, Now, part of that is because I fished Lake Mary Crawford Monticello a lot, and I knew uh, Mike, you know, Mr. Mike, uh, Mike Mike Jones, yeah. Mike Jones was a close friend of my dad, so, I mean, yeah. Mike I just, guess. Mike just retired. Well, then I can tell the story. Mike never take me me your boat um, license. <laughs> that's not going to matter anymore. Uh, quick story about Mike Jones. Do, do you like Mike Jones? <laughs> Mike's a good guy. Mike's a good guy. One day, we went to Lake Mary Crawford, me and Cameron McCardle, being you may remember who that is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had about 12 riding reels in my boat. We were going bass fishing and Cameron was going to come too. Cameron was cheap. Cameron wasn't going to buy a fishing license. Well, he said, if the game wardens are there, I'll just sit in the boat. Well, (laughs) of course, Mike was there writing people tickets and he comes up to me. We talked for a second. He asked me for my license and then he asked Cameron for his license. And uh, Cameron said, I ain't fishing. <laughs> and Mike said, there's 12 rod reels in this boat. <laughs> you telling me you just going to sit there and watch him fish the whole day? The said, no, probably not. And Mike did write him a ticket because technically he didn't break the law yet. But Mike right. said, after today, have you a license if I catch you back out here. <laughs> Um But anyways, the uh, like you were saying about the the coastal waterways and stuff, There isn't much that I remember from that. Like I said, six long, grueling hours. Um, But red right returning, green going out, that is in my brain forever. Um, And you just show up and you know it. Now, the flashing lights to signal a turn and this, that, and the other, um, I don't remember any of that stuff. Um, And I think that they should add a new section to the Boater's Education course, um, how to dock a boat in outgoing or incoming tides. Because I watch people at our condo in Orange Beach smash their brand new 30-foot boats into the dock because they have no idea what they're doing all the time because the tide there is brutal. I mean, it's like a raging river. Right. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not much I remember from it, but uh, you I hate to agree with you because I disdain that test and that whole thing. But the the marker channels and the buoys and all that, that is important to know because you would hate to be <laughs> heading out somewhere where you need to be heading
2: in. Yeah, well, that, and you get outside the channel and you hit something that's unmarked under the water, and, you know, sometimes it's terribly yeah. shot inside the markers. Not only that the traffic picks up once you get in the coastal communities and you have to, if you don't have some type of rules of the road and that's basically what, what that's for is telling you, yeah, you know, chaos. Yeah, you can throw the chaos at some point because there's just so many vessels out there and some of them are, you know, you may have a 12-foot John boat with a 25 and then they're liable to be, especially on the coast down there, you're on the Jordan River or Biloxi or Shooter Buff, you'll have and the next boat that comes through, is, you know, a cigar boat 40 foot long and got Twin eight, twin V eight motors in the back of it, you know. So
1: yeah, he's running sixty five.
2: Yeah, you know, top speed eighty something, and his cruising is yeah. five or something, you know. So there's there's yeah. got to be there's got to be some method to the madness and something something to say what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. Well, and,
1: and, yeah, and, that's
2: true. And and the and bottom line, all that is is you know uh, a, a majority of the severe accidents that we have. Obviously, one thing, this is uh, this is Operation Dry Water Week for us, July the 4th. You know, we're, we're on the water real big, especially over the July 4th weekend. I, all the numbers haven't got put in yet. I can't really tell you what the citation numbers are just yet. I haven't got them. But, you know, uh, a majority of the severe accidents we have, you can go back and alcohol and our other substances are related to the majority of them. So,
1: um, and, and alcohol is not allowed on any state lake property, correct? Not on the state lakes, no, sir. Okay. okay.
0: Well, you mentioned something a minute ago about things, you know, you're talking about channel markers and whatnot, or, or things being just underneath the surface that you don't know about, kind of like rock dikes in the Mississippi River, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody's uh, not uh, from <laughs> the <that>, river. <laughs> Uh, once it gets to a certain level, it's just it's sitting there, just waiting on somebody to run into it. If, yeah. if you're not, yeah, that's Matt, right.
0: Matt and I found one last August uh, <laughs> during, during alligator season. Uh, well, Ben Ben ben, needs taken, to, ben Ben needs, he to, needs to, to take a boat safety
2: course. He needs to take cause he's an idiot. didn't think he didn't think that maybe we should have an engine that works
0: <laughs> or fuel. Uh-huh. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> It was a fuel problem. We ran out of gas uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning trying to go back across the Mississippi River from Yucatan Lake. Yeah, that's a fuel problem. Yeah, yeah.
1: So. Well, that's not something that uh, that's not something they teach in the boater safety course. If you're just ignorant, it you know, yeah. that ain't, that ain't going to do nothing for you.
0: Joey, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to rewrite the boater safety course. And the first thing, bullet point number one, make sure you have enough fuel to reach your destination. <laughs> and then return. Well, pretty, that should be part of your float plan, correct? <laughs> <laughs> it should, should be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, they teach uh, third out, third in, third just in case. Ben likes to do 51 out, 49 in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, on the boaters' education classes, uh, what are the age requirements there? I think, if I'm not mistaken, that if you're a certain age, you're kind of grandfathered in kind of like the the hunters safety program you know wh- who yeah, has to take it, the motors ed class
2: that's uh June thirtieth nineteen eighty okay correct. that's right okay so and anybody that is uh twelve and up that has had that course can operate a vessel independently, wow. okay.
0: Uh, I will.
1: I, I want to ask you another question. Um, I took that class whenever I was sixteen. Um, whenever I, I just bought a bass boat, and somebody at the lake had told me that if I, you know, had a motor on it of any kind, a trolling motor on a kayak, I needed to have a motor safety course. Um, so I took it, and I it stayed in my wallet for the longest time till I lost that wallet. I have no idea what company I used. I have no idea what email I used. I have no idea anything about anything about how I obtained that document. And I will not take it again. Um, There's always normally somebody on the boat like my dad or, you know, one of my brother-in-law's. Somebody is normally on there um, that is above the age requirement. Is there a way that you know of that is simple where I can enter in, You know, data birth, social security number, hunter's ID, uh, driver's license, something like that. And they can give me some data saying, does the state keep that data or is it just the company that I use? Because I know I didn't use like any type of Mississippi, um, like website or anything. It was like either Bode US or, you know what I'm talking about. There's like three or four different to a customer service call, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no,
2: no, no. no. Can't get in touch with anybody.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, if, 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 uh, it's, if it's not a state-sponsored site, which we have one for boaters Ed and one for hunters Ed, and that's and that's the same people that we get the the curriculum from
1: or our books for our in class. Um, how, how much is the ticket?
2: That's uh,
1: the next question. It's <laughs> <laughs> boaters
2: education. Uh, it's, it's. They may cite you until you can actually take the course or prove proof that you had it. But there's there's actually there's 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 not a fine for it if you if you show proof before before the court date.
1: So you're telling me I don't have to figure all this out in my final case. <laughs> <I'm>
0: no, <telling> you, <laughs> I'm not, you, you don't out. have to answer that. <laughs>
1: Three weeks, you don't, G- you don't G- have
0: to... <laughs> Joey, don't answer, don't yeah. answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> And for everybody listening, um, if you do want to sign up for the hunter's ed class or the boater's ed class, uh, you can do that at mdwfp.com, and then you scroll over to education and outreach, and all of that's right there. It's got the hunter's education, boater's education, Uh, we talked about the Ames program, the archery and Mississippi schools uh the mississippi scholastic shooting program all that's listed right there on the mw mdwfp website so uh if you got if you got questions about it or anything like that go to that website and check it out um matt i know you wanted to ask him about some some new rules and regulations um
2: <coughs> yeah i just had a quick question it won't take long uh joey you may not be the guy to ask this to, but i'm just curious um if you know why public guiding is well guiding as a business is allowed on public waters but not allowed on public land. <laughs> I would not be the one to answer that. I don't okay. know. I'm just curious because you know it's illegal to do it on public land, but Correct. public water, it's okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't have the answer for that. I don't know Okay, and the next question I had is is it, what is the state got a group or a board maybe that is talking about what we can do or what technology we can use or something on hogs? I just fear that Mississippi is such a great state for hunting and stuff that, yeah, you know, we got to get these things under control. You know, you no, know, I don't. I don't know. We we do have a if, if you go to mdwfp com and you pull up. Uh, or just type in hogs in DWP. It'll pull up. We have a hog program, and and there, we do have a biologist that is is looking. Uh, they're looking at it in in three ways. You know, they're looking at it from the hunting perspective. They're looking at it from the trapping trapping perspective, and they're also looking at it from you know any type of, um, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, some type of poison or material that they can feed the hogs. They either shut production down. or, or Yes. Like, uh, look, I am big on that. I, you know, it's, it's, it's out there on the internet. You can read about it. It's not legal UFO It's not no, on the mass market, but Texas tested a uh, product that's a blood thinner. Yep. And uh, I think it's warfarin and uh, deer apparently can handle that blood thinner like champions. Like it doesn't really do much to them, but hogs die pretty easily from it. Right. And so I'm I just hoping the state's, you know, like looking at, hey, we, we think we've got a way that landowners can do this, that, or the other. Yeah, we have a biologist that's uh, a nuisance animal biologist and hogs can follow under that program. So uh, we've got somebody that's looking where they're at on that. I don't know. It's not a discussion I've had. Uh, okay. That was my question. Um, but, you know, as they're prolific. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. yes. It's so bad. I think the percentage is like 75% of the population at right now would have to be killed just to maintain what would happen between to keep it the same for the next 12 months. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's, 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 they're very prolific.
0: Hey, if y'all don't mind, I want to back up just a second because you, Matt, you mentioned about fishing guide stuff. Um, uh-huh. I did see where we, we just passed, uh, it was effective July 1st. Uh, now, if you want to be a freshwater guide in Mississippi, you've got to have a license. Is that, that's correct, right, Joey? I, I think
2: you got to have a resident. License. It, yes, it's there is a non-resident option as well. So, okay. Uh, yes, you have to have a resident guide or resident non-resident guide license.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just saw it here. Uh, I'm looking at the website now. It's a five hundred dollar license for residents and a two thousand dollar license for non-residents. I just saw that.
2: That's right. It went in effect July the first. That's okay. correct.
0: And kind of what was the what's the reason behind that? If you know. Uh, I,
2: to be honest, I think it was driven by the the four big lakes up in north Mississippi. It seems to be a yeah, it's a big crappie destination. It's a big crappie destination, and there's there's a lot of there was a lot of sore folks about the, the people going up there and doing guiding. And you never knew who was doing what, you know, they had limited them, I think last year to four rigs per person on those four lakes up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a big crappie fisherman, but spider rigging a thing. And you can, you know, anywhere else in the state, I think you can have six, eight or 10 poles out on the front of the boat if you want to. But I think last year they, they limited them to four per person. And uh, this is just another way to try to, to, you know, make sure somebody really wants to do it and not just just moonlight. And this gets away from the water. It goes into hunting. But I I really think we hope the state is really going to consider limiting out-of-state hunters on certain days. And the reason I say that is because all the other states are doing it to us if we try to go there. You know, if you want to hunt waterfowl on public land in Arkansas and you're from Mississippi – you can't just pick a day and go. And Kansas, I just was reading yesterday, I think is going to approve limited non-resident hunter days. All right. Well, The only thing we've done that with so far is turkeys, wild turkeys. That's yes, right. yes.
0: Speak, hey, speak. Yeah, but of, I, I. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead.
2: Also. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I think it'd be awesome if, like, youth weekend and, or let's just say opening day of deer season, if you could limit it to state, in-state people, you know because that's just one of the busiest days people hit the woods and stuff. Right. And it might be, and I, I might be talking stupid and not know, but I don't think
0: it is. Hey, you, you mentioned turkeys a minute ago, Joey. Um, I saw something, oh gosh, it was, probably, it was probably back in April, that there was a proposal made, I think, not only to change the hunting season dates for turkey season, but also to where you had to have something like a, a turkey, like a duck stamp, but it'd be like a turkey stamp. Do you know if that ever passed through or not? Do you know where we're there, at? There's, uh, there's all kind
2: of bills that get introduced uh, that don't make it through. Uh, you know, there's hundreds of them every year. Uh, okay. The only, the only thing that I know that's going to change, and I, I had a conversation with Adam Butler at Dark Turkey bowl, just not, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that I know that is going to change is I think we're going to have mandatory tagging. We already have mandatory reporting now, oh. but in 2020 there will be a physical tag that goes on the birds. Uh, that that's something that's going to happen, okay. and it it will be for spring 2025, not this coming spring, but the next. Um, you probably will see. I don't know about a bag limit change. I don't. I don't know that there will be, uh, but there probably will be a date adjustment. Now, how much? I don't know. Right.
0: Sure. So,
2: I think uh, Mississippi
0: has the longest turkey season in America right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah.
2: Yes. And there's been people taking advantage of it for a long time. Uh, Arkansas, I mean, especially, all right, so the same thing that's happened up there with the lakes with the guide service and stuff, you kind of had it with the non-resident hunters up in North Mississippi. Because we opened so early, you would have people from Arkansas and Tennessee and wherever, Florida or wherever come over and take advantage of our early opening dates. And, uh, so last year, what they limited to, for public land that they had to be, they had to be on a draw. They had, if you're non, and they only had so many, they limited it to so many. I can't remember. What was it? 900 or something like that. I can't remember.
0: Right. Uh, you, You mentioned Adam Butler a minute ago. If I'm not mistaken, the article that I read, it was Adam that was suggesting these changes to, to the stuff, uh, and I don't want to say it was like the turkey stamp, and then the, the date change. I, I, if it was anything else, I don't recollect. Yeah, I
2: I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not. I don't I know that there was talk about a turkey stamp, but I don't know where we are with that. But I, I feel certain that you're probably going to see a date adjustment. Um, how much it's going to be, I don't know.
0: Right.
2: Um, but I think you'll see a date. I don't know that you'll see a bag limit change. You might, but I don't know yet. That's still that's still in the works. Um, and like I said, the only thing that that I know that changed, nothing's really changed. It's staying the same. In twenty twenty five, we will go to uh, to a, a a full tagging system, a physical tag on the bird, which I think is a great, it's a great.
0: Yep, thing. I agree. I think I think we ought to do it on deer. I do too. Well, so
2: that that has not been passed through legislature for us to do that. So we had that option with turkeys. For quite some time and it was already passed in the legislature we just not implemented it as an agency and we're just now seeing that come through right. so uh, the deer would have to be that would have to be passed legislature wise first and and then, then we could do something with that but uh, I think the days of the uh, honor system were uh, antiquated I yes. guess is a good term.
0: I agree. Yeah. I agree. We live in a much different world now than we did in 1990. So, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matt, Hunter, you guys got anything else for Joey?
2: I'm good. Well, I think that's it. Joey, Oh, another well, no, thing. We did have a change on hogs, guys. So I don't know if you know it or not. One of the things we did to limit some of the spread of the wild hogs, I forgot transporting live ones. No transporting live ones. Off, of, off yeah. the so if you, catch, if you have 200 acres and you catch it on the back part of your property, you can take it up to the house. But you can't put it in a vehicle and transport it on the public road. Okay. So, yeah. all right, I, got a really, I got a funny story for you real quick. I won't name any names, though, so nobody gets in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine, we're friends with a game warden, killed a bunch of hogs in a trap. Uh, game warden met him and said, I'll tell you where to take them to this guy who wants them. <laughs> and that law had just passed. And they're standing there talking to the guy who wants the hogs and one of the hogs stands up in the back of the trailer. It <laughs> wasn't dead yet. And he looks at the game warden and the game warden goes, boy, I got to write you a ticket right now. And he's like, no, 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 no come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't write him one, but it was just funny because he thought he had dispatched the hog, but the hog was still alive. So, well, we had transport, lo- we had transport laws where you could do it, but you were supposed to call in and get a transport permit. And it was like it was a class one violation, which I mean I'm sorry, a class three violation was, was like twenty five to a hundred dollars plus court cost. And yeah. now now it is a class one, which is just like headlighting deer or take getting caught with an alligator or alligator snapping turtle or shocking fish. It's a it's a two to five thousand dollar fine. So they're they're taking this serious. Wait, it's wait. Uh,
0: wait. I, I just learned something new. You can't and <laughs> I haven't done this, but you can't Killing alligators?
2: Yeah. Uh well, there's uh, there there's a certain time where you can't molest them, which is during the spring, during the mating season, and you can only take two per year, and there has to be a certain shell length from front to back during that time of year. I forget this t- is it twenty inches, I think, or maybe twenty four inches. It's got to be a b- pretty big turtle to keep it. I'm glad.
1: well, uh, Joey Ben Ben shot a Ben shot wood those last 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 week. So I mean, I mean, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs>
0: That's not true. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you told me that though, because for the longest time I have, and and I really wanted to just find a shell. Uh, I have wanted a like a big alligator snapping turtle shell, and uh, I've never been able to find one. But I'm glad you just told me that, so I don't go kill one. That, you know. Cause, Cause, I can tell you, yep. before tonight, I sure enough would have shot one if I'd found one.
2: <laughs> well, I think you can this time of year. I think it's June. Uh, I can't remember. I think it's June the first. Okay. Uh, but before, prior to that, during the spring, during the mating season, you can't you can't molest them.
0: Okay. Well, I'll go look there, that, I'll go look that up to be sure.
2: <laughs> I don't have that in front of me, but uh, the only other updated. There was something else I was going to pass along, to you guys. The only other updated uh, thing that we got this year is uh, we've kind of brought our uh, our our headlighting statute was a little antiquated itself. Uh, now with the times of FLIR and infrared and all this other stuff, uh, you don't see the you don't see the light shine as much anymore at night. Uh, you know, and suppressors and things of that nature. So they caught up with it to, to include, not that it wasn't, technically we considered it under the old law, clear and thermal imaging as a light amplifying device, but now it's actually written into the statute Okay. to cover to cover those things. And one other thing was they actually wrote it in the law for these, I don't know how you guys feel about the deer tracking dogs at night. Uh, that been- Uh-oh, what they right? Well, they just made it where it was it was not unlawful to pursue a mortally wounded animal at night. Uh, one stipulation they did put in is during the day you're fine whatever weapons in season to discharge the animal, but at night it has to be a it has to be a, a sidearm with uh, a barrel no longer than six inches and uh forty five caliber or okay.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense, because it'd be yep. real easy to just take some dogs out at night, and shoot deer, and just say, "Oh, we were looking for our deer." So, right. That makes sense. Okay.
2: Well, the, the law actually says mortally wounded animal, and I guess that leaves some open to interpretation. Um, I mean, I've seen people with these dogs, with these tractor dogs, you know, run one down that got shot in the back foot. So, I mean, right. it's it's relative.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. That's good to know We, uh, we had uh, I guess it was last year We had Ben Ward on uh, Ben Ward's a big uh, deer tracker With dogs guys Well known throughout the state And does a really good job And I know if there's any regulations out there That Ben and his group follow them to the T But that's good for people to know
2: Yep and, uh, One other side note They limit it to two dogs only
0: Okay Yeah That's good
2: Good I to think know. that about co- the other thing uh we did not cover on the uh the freshwater guide portion mm-hmm. was the the vessel itself has to be registered each one that's used in that guide service has to be registered and let's see just a couple of side notes when when we actually putting this out here um for for the resident, That's getting the guide license They have to have a valid Mississippi sportsman Hunting and fishing license Not just a fishing license It has to be the resident sportsman They also have to have A $100,000 worth of liability insurance And They have to have proof of uh, CPR and first aid training Through American Red Cross uh, Certified Trainer course Okay the only exemption to that would be if they had a, an actual captain license, that would suffice Okay. For the, for the CPR and first aid training.
0: Well, that's good. It keeps a, a lot of people from just saying, all right, let's start a guide service and go out on the lake and start catching fish and charging people. That's right. So it, it, makes them, it makes them actually have to, to do it the right way. Right. So that's good. Good information. Um I'm assuming that all of this is – uh on the website as well right under um yeah it would be uh, under license and permits should be yes yep so once again the uh, mdwfp.com scroll over to license and permits and uh, it'll take you right down the list there to uh to the new fishing license uh, to fishing guide license so good joey man appreciate you coming on tonight yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm sure. A lot of good information, and uh, and we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Hunter's got a a spearfishing story he wants to tell, so we'll be right back. Hunting season is here, so why are you still loading your four wheeler in the back of your truck? Head on over to Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales in Columbia, Mississippi. They got a trailer for all of your hauling needs, including trailers for four wheelers, side by sides, and tractors. Gooseneck trailers and dump trailers are also available. And in the event that you kill a deer with your truck rather than your rifle, they can take care of that too. Check them out on Facebook at Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales or give them a call at 601-736-3219. All right, we're back. Um, If you listen to the first half, we had Joey Harrington of the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Some really good information there. I'm glad he. I'm glad he said some of the stuff he did because I wouldn't have known the difference otherwise. Uh, but yeah, I was informative <laughs> in some ways. Hunter, you've been itching to tell us a story, all right? I think everybody, yeah. everybody knows about your newfound love of spearfishing. I'm still really on the fence. Yeah. I don't know about you, Matt. What do you think? Uh, I'm going. I, I, I'm gonna go. Yeah, Matt,
1: Matt. Matt's going to shoot an amberjack. We already talked about.
0: <laughs> I want to go, but I don't know. Like I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be in the water. But especially well, okay, are you worried maybe, about the fish? Or
2: are you are you worried about not being able to swim?
0: No, I can swim. I'm just I'm worried about everything. I, you know. I'm, first of all, you're not getting in the water without a set of fins
1: on. Like, I'm a dangerous person, but that's next-level stuff right there that you wouldn't think, but you have got to have a set of fins. Yeah. It doesn't have to be free-diving fins, but you've got to have a set of fins because more often than not, there's going to be current and, like, dude, you are powerless with your little stupid, unevolved feet in the water, especially in the ocean.
0: All, so, right. all right. So, so all right. I've got to ask, since you said that about current. How strong is the current you talking about, like if you didn't have fins on and so you jumped out of the boat in thirty seconds, how far away from the boat could you be?
1: Oh, uh, you could be three or four hundred yards,
0: oh wow,
1: not in thirty seconds all right next next i'm gonna we're gonna get Lars on the show one day, and he's gonna tell you there was a current the other day, and I wear freediving fins, which are very long fins, very you know they're
0: they're still. That's thirty mile per hour current. You're aware of that.
1: Yeah, well, I'm obviously
0: just talking trash. Um, <laughs> so you could be a hundred yards from the boat.
1: Easy, easy. I That's hundred yards, yards from the boat. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We were at the the rig that we were at the same day the story I'm going to tell was happening. When we got there, the water was rushing up the sides of the oil rig. Okay. Like there are hardly no waves. Okay. But how do And the you, water is pounding the oil rig like a log in the middle of a river.
0: But how do you like how do you keep yourself even with fins? How do you keep yourself around the rig?
1: You don't. You can't. Uh, I, I swimming as hard as I possibly could with my fins on. I could maintain the same distance away from the rig. Really? So what you have to do when now that's going to change in an hour. You know what I mean? So that's that's at the worst part of the day. That is that the tide is rushing back in. Um and we're like thirty five miles offshore at this point. Um but the tide is rolling and I mean that's the worst I've ever seen it ever offshore fishing. Um I may have seen it pretty bad close to that one other time, but anyways Can I not just what you have to do
0: tether a rope to myself and go down?
1: Yeah, yeah, you no, you can't go down in that. Like I mean, you no, you're not, you know, you're not doing that. What you have to do is you have to drift the rig okay. if you want to hunt it. Yeah. Okay. So, but that, 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 that creates all kind of other sorts of dangers. Like, you know what I mean? Like if your drift isn't right, like the current will confuse you a little bit because you'll think it's going one way, but when you get in the water, you'll realize quickly that it's not. Um, so your drop all has got to be right. Um, and you got to, It's just not safe to be inside the walls of the rig either at that point because there are like these lattice-type structures in the rig in some places that you don't want to get pinned to, obviously. And you definitely don't. I I didn't feel comfortable, and I'm I'm by far the riskiest person of our little group that goes. Um, I didn't feel comfortable going down while passing the rig at the rate that we were going. I mean seriously, you, you go down in the water and you're looking around for two or three minutes and I mean you're you look up and you're like, oh my God, like how am I this far away from the rig at this point? Right. Um it's it's, it's 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 kinda wild, but that same it day is, what we ended up leave at, somebody on the boat at all times, right? Uh not when it's just me and Dad. We both get out. Okay, so one of us three is going to be on
2: the boat at all times.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, that will be, it will be me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you do need somebody in the water with you at all times.
1: Well, that's correct. But I, I normally just off to the rig. Like I normally don't throw the troll motor out because the current, there's always going to be some current. It's like always some current. Oh, there may be flat cod, but it's brief. So, right. Normally, the boat will drift, want to drift one way, and you always set up down current from the rig so that if a problem occurs, because normally we'll just throw the trolling motor out. Like, if the rig's crowded, pop the trolling motor out, it'll hold you on spot lock, and you can swim over to the rig because you don't want to try and get tied up amongst all those other people. But <clears throat> on this particular day, the current was brutal when we got there, but there was a rope um, attached to the rig that... I'm sure fishermen have put there in the past for tying off to. I don't really know, or maybe for bigger ships, I don't know, but we got off to that rope and on the backside of the rig, you know, it's kind of blocking the current, so you could dive a little bit. Um, but then, you know, as an hour or so passes, the current slacks off and still kind of hot, but we're able to dive and we start shooting fish. Well, uh, Larson Barkham was with me and at one point, uh, we were heading back Carson. to the boat
0: another, to another, get hot back in the boat. Another former William Carey baseball player.
1: I More importantly, his name. <laughs> yeah. Well, he shoots a uh, a jackrabbit, right? So he shoots a big jack, and oh he's coming up with it, and we he's trying to get back to the boat. Maybe I would shot a fish. I can't exactly remember what had happened, but. No, no, no. I shot a Jack Revelle. I was the first one to shoot one. I shot the Jack Revelle. I'm getting in the boat. My spear gun floats, but normally I ditch my gun and just deal with the fish and the spear. Um, and he had kind of swam back behind the boat to get on the boat and take a break. And he gets tangled up and stuff. And uh, It was his first time. Uh, he did really well, though. Um, but he says, hey, there's a shark. And so... I get my goggles on. I can see he's kind of tangled. I get in the water to just, you know, run interference if I have to. Um, you know, I don't know what the shark's doing. He just said he saw one. So, I get in the water, off will the shark. He's like, oh, it, it was just cruising by with those jacks. No big deal. Whatever. So, that passes. Well, about an hour and a half later, Larson shoots a big jack. Um, and we're drifting with them. So going away from the rig, keep in mind, boat's tied up on the downstream, down current side of the rig. We're drifting with them. Larson kind of veers off towards the boat with his fish, um, and he's putting it in the boat and stuff. And these big, giant amberjack are coming up. You know, there's commotion. They're super curious fish. They're coming up, checking us out. And I'm just diving with them. So I'm just going down with them putting my spear gun at them, letting them know I'll be back in a month or so. <laughs> um, and it's just cool. It's cool being in the water with these big, magnificent fish. And they're super curious. They're coming up to you, checking you out. Well, the fish kind of leave and I'm just still kind of drifting with the current looking for them. And I'm probably 20 yards behind the boat. It's not a problem to swim back to The current had slacked off enough to where it was relatively easy to get back to the boat. but. Uh, needed to, which I did, um, because about that time there was about a 30 foot, 20, 20 to 25 foot layer of kind of murk, um, where, you know, you can't really see past it until you get down there. Um, a bull shark shoots up out of that, murk. um, Right at me. There are no Jack Gravels. There are no Amberjack. He is coming up out of the water, not out of the water, but out of that layer, coming swimming right at me. So I immediately recognize that this is a problem because I don't have a fish. There are no fish around. So he's coming to check me out. Um, so normally in this situation, somebody's in the water with you. Um, and you stand your ground. Well, how, you know, you don't oh, run from the shark because that, how far I'm, I'm 20, going? 20, uh, dude. I mean, it. I, I don't want to lie, but I'm between 10 and 20 yards from the boat. Okay. So, but it's, again, I'm down current from the boat. So bull shark comes up. I immediately realize that I need to turn and start getting back towards other people and the boat because I can't continue to drift with the shark, because that poses far more of a risk for me, because I don't want to be battling this fish in open water <laughs> by myself. <laughs> I need to be back closer. Now, if, if someone would have been with me, that's a whole different ball game. The shark probably doesn't even approach at all at that point, because there are two 10-foot long other things in the water that could possibly be a threat to it. But it's just me, so he approaches quickly I'm kicking back Um, I don't pull my head out of the water to holler at anybody until I'm sure that he's not going to come in and try and you know take a curious bite or something and he comes up to about where my feet are in my fins so he's past my fins on my feet and I stab him with my spear gun when I did that he immediately starts going crazy, like displaying playing very aggressive behavior, peck fins pushed in, darting left and right, cutting up on top of the water, just acting a fool. Well, I then look back and Larson is standing on the ladder. And I said, <laughs> in whatever words came out of my mouth, I'm not sure, but I said, get out of the water. Get out of my way, basically. I'm going to need that here shortly. Um. So I keep paling back. He approaches me one more time, but before he gets to me, he's darting back. So he just keeps turning and twisting and showing very aggressive shark 101, get out of the water, he's yeah. Um, You know, a shark that's just calm, passing by, flat-skinned, no threat at all. Shark with the pecs down, cutting left and right, hit the top of the water, that's bad. And I'm watching him do all this, and I'm thinking, "Oh God!" Like I'm gonna have to shoot this shark (laughs) because if he opens his mouth, there's 110 inches, 110 centimeters of steel going down in his esophagus. Because I'm not the guy who's taking that chance. Um, But he he comes back one more time, less keeps his distance this time, and I make it back to the boat. Very, very intense situation occurred there. And, uh, then explained and nobody, you know, nobody hops in the water when somebody screams shark, but the rule of thumb there is somebody hollers about a shark. Everybody goes to that person because they're not going to want to deal with three of whatever there is. Like I might be the first person in the water that sharks ever seen. He doesn't necessarily know what I am. I'm either food or I'm another predator. So he, I guess, was determining which one that was. And I'm one to know all the time
0: to get sharks. So, um, Matt, you still want to get in the water? Yeah, but that was that was the that was the oh, intense okay moment still. that kind of happened. Uh,
1: now I went all weekend last weekend, two days of diving, well, a day and a half really, and didn't see a single shark the whole day. And I dove far, far more, like. A ton more. Like, we only dove that day for about three hours. But, I mean, I dove for like six one day and probably three the next and didn't even see a baby. The only thing I saw that was anything close to a shark was a giant stingray on the bottom. So, I mean, it's kind of just is or isn't. But it was a bull, so, you know, that's not not the best case scenario to encounter, but it's not the worst either. You could have seen a tiger, which would have been far worse, um, probably. Um, you, you, you
0: think, you think anyways, tiger, yeah, you think a tiger shark would have been worse than a bull? No, I don't.
1: I don't. I don't think I know a tiger shark would have been worse than a Tigers yeah. eat tires. Tiger sharks have teeth designed to cut through turtle shells. Yeah. Did you not watch the man in Egypt be ripped in half by a tiger shark? All the spear fishermen in Hawaii and around the world. Obviously, great whites are the number one. Okay, we just need to leave now. Shark that exists on the planet. Um, There's not a tiger's lot. Tigers are number two. Tigers are tigers are number two on that list of. Let's let's just get out of the water. It's not worth so, him getting fired up or anything. All right.
0: You may know this. You may not know this. I don't know. Um, I know we have a, a lot of bull sharks in the Gulf Coast, kind of mm-hmm. along the coastal area how 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 yeah. rare would it be for a tiger to be down there
1: uh it's not that rare um uh, oh well i say that i don't i don't know like the uh, i would say tigers are far more rare than finding a bull shark a black tip, or a thresher. you know those are in my experience which is limited obviously to you know in sand sharks and the reefs and stuff like that but like for your like more apex sharks like the bull shark is going to be the primary one that you know you would encounter who poses a legitimate threat, you know, to ripping your body in half and eating you, um, bite tips and stuff. I mean, it's going to be a state record black tip for me to really be worried about. Not that I'm not not going to respect a six and a half foot black tip shark, but you know, I don't know if there's ever been a recorded biting of a black tip shark on any beach. Like there you can watch videos at Orange Beach of a hundred black tip sharks just moving through people swimming. Like those in hammerheads are seem to be very docile. Like if I saw an eighteen foot hammerhead, like I would have less fear than if I saw a seven foot juvenile tiger shark. Right.
0: Well there was a video that came out the other day of uh a big hammerhead swimming Along the coastline, uh, with people out there swimming.
1: Yeah, I mean, their their face isn't even designed to hunt like other sharks hunt. They're they're looking for stingrays and stuff like that. Um, Not saying they won't bite you. There have been reported bites, but no, it's all been like feet and stuff. You know, like mistaken identity. But yeah, yeah. Um, But more importantly, I did hit sixty five feet this weekend. Last weekend Which is a massive jump From the last time that I dove Um, And we were hunting 70 foot of water And I was able to get down to 65 feet Which Is kind of cool And then we went to A spot like 40 foot deep And this is what Being in the water kind of teaches you about Fish um, Because You would never pull up to the oil rig, eight miles off, six miles off shore, where you can literally see condos in the beach and say, I'm going to catch some nice keeper snapper here. You would never do that because you'd be insane because every single person in the world has stopped there and fished. There's no, it's been hammered. Every snapper there has seen a squid and a cigar minnow in the world. Um, But we went there and is in forty foot, and you know once you dove past it, uh, I sent y'all the video where you literally can't even see me go to the bottom. You can hear me shoot, and then you see a snapper shoot up. oh I think I sent that y'all. See y'all. Yeah, yeah. I um, so what I'm seeing after I dive about fifteen foot deep is crystal clear water. You know, you, there's just a layer of murk on top. Once you bust through that, it's just boom, wide open. And I go down and I see a pipe running off that rig, and dude, as far as you can see that pipe running, there are snapper just stacked on top of it, and all the poor people on the boat <laughs> are sitting there fishing that already. And I'm just going down shooting a snapper coming up, going down shooting a snapper coming up, sheep's head, everything, Spanish mackerel. I killed pretty much every species presented to me this weekend except the groupers. That well, but.
0: Well, yeah, that was the, uh, that was the shark encounter. The first one before I, before I go out and get in the water, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get myself pumped up or something, Matt, you might be able to hear all of this and just be like, ah, oh, whatever. And do it. I don't know. Dude, once you get in, Dude, in. And you once you get in the water, get acclimated a
1: little bit. Like Hayden went with us this weekend and Hayden had a terrible experience the first time he liked to drown and all kind of other stuff. He just didn't know what was going on. He got in the water this weekend with a good set of fins, appropriately sized fins. And the first thing he sees is four or five big donkey barracudas just grinning at him. And I'm like, you know, just relax. Stay close. We're going to be cool. We're going to relax. Everything's fine. After about 20, 30 minutes in the water, he was like, this is the greatest thing that I've ever done. And he just sat there and hammered space fish all day. I mean, Hayden never does. I mean, he never, you know, kind of got, it's a, it's a middle thing actually going down. And, but like he, he did the first step. He shot fish on top of the water and Hayden could have killed a 50 pound amberjack this weekend. Cause every time I would dive that 70 foot rig and go to the bottom or near the bottom. When I would come up, every amberjack in that rig would fall. Yeah. It's like I was yeah. bringing them home. And, uh, if Hayden ran up to me one time, and was like not ran up to me, but like kind of you know started posturing a little bit, like something was happening. And he was like, "Dude, I thought all those were stars <laughs> I'm falling you to the top." Oh. But yeah, so in August or September, not sure yet. Um, we're gonna go out, me, you, probably Dad, Matt, um, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna shoot an amberjack, and you're gonna get in water. And hopefully you won't be ripped in half by
0: <laughs> We shall see. Uh before we go tonight, got one more yeah. announcement. Um Pine Belt best of the best. Uh, put on by a signature magazine. Uh, we are I think I mentioned it before on the show, we're a finalist for Best Podcast in the Pine Belt. Um today the voting's today's July the fifth. The show comes out tomorrow. Um, the voting started today. So, uh, there's a link on our, uh, Facebook page. There's a link, uh, on our Instagram page where you can go in and vote for the pinstripes to camo podcast as the best podcast in the pine belt. And you can vote every day between now and July 24th. So spread the word, vote for the show. Uh, I don't know what we win. I guess we just get to walk around and say that we won uh but that would be cool too i'm sure you get a plaque or something huh i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. well anyway anyways. go vote uh and uh and vote multiple times just like in the presidential election so <laughs> you guys got anything else tonight nope, nope. I think that's it. all right well we're glad hunter's still alive after his bull shark encounter and uh it's yet to be seen with me and matt so we'll, we'll find out soon i guess i uh, appreciate you guys listening and <laughs> until next time while you're scrolling through social media go check us out on facebook instagram and tiktok also visit our website pinstripes to to read weekly blogs and purchase pinstripes to camo merchandise